Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of the Unity Talks podcast. And we're so glad that you join us every other week as we get to meet and talk with uh, DFW business leaders. And and we hope that their words and advice really sit well in your ears and you take it to heart. We, we gain a ton of value, I know, at our firm from listening to these podcasts and watching them. And we're really excited about our guest today. Our guest uh, has both Dallas and Houston blood in him much like I do. And he is currently the CFO of a cybersecurity startup firm. And that company is called Soul Cyber. And he actually bought us, brought us a little gift today that we have really enjoyed. And uh, welcome to the podcast, John London. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited that you're here. Thanks for driving up the tollway, right up the tollway from us. Easy drive. It's right on your way home. <laughs> you know, don't say that. I <laughs> I might not be leaving early. Okay. All right. That's fair. I'll take that. So here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to start in high school today. Okay. So we're going to go back to high school okay. times. All right. So you, you were born in Dallas. You went to high school in Houston. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Stratford Spartans, I That's believe. Right. So from anybody who is familiar with Stratford High School in Houston, I think it's just on the west side of Houston. That's right. right. And you told me yesterday, you're like, oh, yeah, Craig James, yeah, he's the one that graduated from our high school. Yeah, that's right. He was one uh, year ahead of me. So and people in Dallas really know who Craig James is, obviously. Yeah. Um, so did you know that not only did he graduate from there, but it was like a it was like a pro football hotbed there because you have Andrew Luck. You had David Klingler, which was U of H and mm -hmm. then to the Cincinnati Bengals. And then the country music star Clint Black actually graduated from there. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Actually, I think I had read that at some point. At but some point. I wouldn't have remembered. You wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we're going to talk about your high school days and start there because I think uh, I think it weaves its way throughout your career. Um, you decided not to go to the NFL and not be a country music singer, right? So, uh, but you worked through high school. And you had to work through high school to pay for college. That's how you got through college, and it instilled that work ethic in you, right? That's right. Um, I had good grades in high school. I, I loved my classes, and I had time and an opportunity to work. That was my extracurricular activity, and it really allowed me to start at a, the lowest level and work my way up to be a manager uh, for a restaurant uh, fast food restaurant and that really gave me a lot of learning of working with people and uh, how how to interact with them and the significance of uh, how they perform and how they help you know your customers and yeah. help the business succeed yeah yeah it teaches you a lot about relationships early on in your life that I'm sure shaped who you are today and how you work with both your employees in, in your current life and your customers today. That's that's exactly right. You took a job in construction when you came back here. You told us it was a nice, cool summer, right? Felt great. That's right. It was the hottest summer on record in Dallas. So 
it was a lot of fun, a lot of water breaks. Yeah. Uh, you'd look for shade and the rest you, yeah. you, you got through it. So you were young, you didn't know any, yeah. any uh, bad, bad times. <laughs> that really set your mind to, I'm going to college, I'm getting a degree, the construction life is probably not that there's anything wrong with it, but it probably just wasn't for you, right? A absolutely. It was just a summer job, a way of earning money and trying to help my college expenses. So uh, it really convinced me that there were better things to do than uh, that particular job, at least for me. I love that you're learning from those experiences. You know, even though you're young, you're still learning from those experiences and you carry that with you. And, and one of the things we've talked about in the past has been just work ethic and how that started early from you. And so I'm curious, how do you, when you interview someone for a job during the interview, can you identify whether they have work ethic that you're looking for, or do they actually have to show up and perform and then you evaluate? I think for the most part, it's a, something you identify during the interview. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a tick that they have where they just have energy, they have mm -hmm. enthusiasm, they show extra effort, you know, they ask good questions and, and that sort of thing. And so I feel like it's, something you, you find then. It doesn't mean that you might miss something and, and find that in someone else later, but mm -hmm. I, I, I tend to uh, think that's how it occurs. Is it, do you ask a lot of situational questions to, to vet that out during your interview process to really understand if you're hiring someone out of school or a couple of years into the career? I wouldn't say it's so much uh, situational questions, but rather just how they uh, act as they're answering any question. And it's the ability to kind of give extra mm -hmm. meaning to something, extra discussion, instead of a yes or a no, or maybe a, an initial answer, they can add some color to it, add mm -hmm. some context. And I think that helps identify, you know, yeah. better what they, you know, are, are able to do and, you know, what, how they might perform. Yeah. Do, are you able to teach work ethic to someone after you've hired them? Uh, is it a learned skill for some people? Um, I think it's both, actually. I, I think you come in with uh, uh, motivation. You come in with basic, hey, I, I want to do well at this job. I want to succeed. But then uh, if you have a good supervisor, good peers, then they each can teach you a little more about what you need to do to be successful and to give you additional motivation to do well. You might see someone else being congratulated for a job that they did and think, mm, I, you know, I'd like to be congratulated someday mm -hmm. for one of the jobs that I do. So, so if I understand what you're saying, I, I feel like you're saying you got to know each individual on your team and what drives them. You can't treat them all with a broad brush and figure that if I just do this one thing, that's going to drive their work ethic. But it's getting to know what motivates each one to push them further. I think that's right. And, and I think also going back to your first question, it is something that while they bring to the table, you can teach them and you can uh, tell them different things to do to uh to look for situations, problems, solutions. And by doing that, you're, you're giving them some instruction and some ability to succeed on their own. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's really what people are looking for. 
uh, when they start a job mm -hmm. is how do I succeed and, and grow with a job. And it might be a job that you know you're not going to do forever. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a stepping stone, but you have to learn it. You have to do well in order to set yourself up better for the next opportunity. Is it more effective, in your opinion, to uh, save up these conversations on a quarterly basis or, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really talk to them in my annual review or semi-annual review? Or are these little two to three minute conversations that you could kind of pull them aside quickly in the hallway or uh, a 30 minute one on one? Like what's the most effective? And maybe it's all the above. I think it's as you go. And uh interesting coincidence uh, talking to my CEO about what kind of performance management system we want to put in place for our startup. We have been, uh, we've had employees now for about five months and, you know, are we interested in an annual performance cycle? Very traditional, you know, once a year, what did you do well? What did you not do too well? Uh, and, you know, his approach is I kind of want to do it once a month as I go. I'm more inclined if I'm interacting with people to kind of give them feedback, you know, then and there. So at least they know. And it could be something simple that they've done. Hey, great job. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I really feel that's like all it takes. I feel like the corporate world has evolved a lot, um, very in a, in a very short time period mm -hmm. as it relates to giving feedback to people. We talk a lot about feedback on this show and, you know, it used to be, well, we'll talk about it in our annual review. Well, that's not really effective. As a leader, you're having to write things down throughout the year if you remember to write them down because you're not going to remember something that happened in April to give them that review in December. And and I think we're getting better as a, as a corporate uh, in corporate America of just pull someone aside for a quick two to three minute mm -hmm. conversation. And that has a greater impact and they can make that correction quicker mm -hmm. right no why why let something go when you could deal with it right then and maybe that never happens again to them if it's something they didn't do quite well or if they did something really well hey i need to do that again so yeah yeah i really like that so we're going to advance on here so because it, it works its way throughout your career <laughs> you chose accounting um i've heard you talk a lot about adapting and evolving as a professional, I'm, I'm using those two words because you've used those two words with me in the past. Okay. So tell us about adapting and evolving as a professional and why that's so important in today's corporate America. Yeah, I, I, I think that any job you start, uh, there's going to be things about it you don't know. There's going to be things you have to learn. Some of those things may come naturally to you in the job. Uh, some you may have to ask about. Some you may have to go work on quite a bit. Some you may have to entertain uh, getting some training, uh, maybe Excel training or Word training or PowerPoint, but doing something that is uh, you know, very specific to a, a task. So if, if you are prepared to be adaptive and to uh, learn those things, then you will be successful in that job. It may not be perfect performance in the beginning. You may have a lot of things you need to learn to do. It could be uh, learning how to deal with pivot tables. And, uh, you know, there's there's little quirks that go on with things like mm -hmm. that, even that I experience today. Uh, but if, if you are willing uh, to be adaptive and to, you know, to seek out what might you need to do to be successful, then you, you will 
uh, mm-hmm. overcome and and succeed in that you know, position. So from the point of view of the employee who they're a climber, they're working their way up the corporate ladder or jungle gym. It's probably more of a jungle gym than a corporate ladder. It doesn't go very straight. It's survival of the fittest, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes all over the place, which is actually good for you. Um, as you're working your way up, it's putting yourselves in situations to mm-hmm. be challenged, right? And to and to adapt is what you're what you're looking for. Yeah, it, an example could be a, a company you're with goes through an acquisition. Uh, it could be that you've been in your job long enough to be successful at it. You're not working a lot of overtime. You're not really having to uh, challenge yourself too much. You're you're doing well. And it could be that there's some task with the acquisition that uh, you could volunteer for. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if you don't feel like you have a lot of extra time, just simply offering to, hey, I, if you need something done with that particular activity, you know, uh, let me know and I'll, I'll try to help. And uh, just, you know, being, being willing to expand your horizons out of just your current mm-hmm. um, job set is, is how you, you can learn yeah. to, to be successful. I've talked with a lot of leaders, both on this show and in just one-on-one conversations, and it's it's quite astonishing how many times you hear them say, volunteering for things, just raising their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to see people volunteer and proactively ask to be on a project team um, that they weren't on the team to mm-hmm. begin with. And it's just... It really is astonishing how many times we're looking for that. And I think if I'm a listener um, I'm, and you're in his current situation, you know, take a step back for a moment and heed that advice. And, and tomorrow, go talk to your leader and ask for the opportunity. And it, that leader knows you're a competitor and you want to win and you want to help the organization. And, and they're going to remember that because they're going to take notice in your career and try to help you. So as a leader then... When someone does volunteer for an opportunity or a project, um, how do you make sure that person gets what they need? You got to, you know, you got to feed the beast, you mm-hmm. know, you got to keep feeding yeah. them. How do you identify that? How do you go about feeding them opportunities? Well, and it, it may not even be directly answering what they were requesting, which is something to do with a pending acquisition or something that's occurred, but you might go to the next activity that you have a need for and uh, look down and say, okay, I, I think that's something they could help us with. So you can substitute, you can do a lot of things to try to help, you know, advance them. I think another area that accounting and finance can help with is any labor intensive tasks that maybe you're involved in that if you look uh, these days, uh, if it's labor intensive, there's oftentimes ways you can apply technology, it's software, it's changing the process to where you can make that labor less intensive, less onerous on you or somebody else. And if you have an idea, do a little research, uh, even you don't know the answer, you're just volunteering, you're raising your hand saying, you know, I spent a lot of time on this. I'm, it's not really taxing my brain too much, but it's taxing, you know, my physical abilities to just you know, get through it. If we can find a way to automate it, then that would be, uh, you know, something that uh, even your supervisor could help you with. Yeah. 
Yeah. Some of the things that we've talked about have been, you know, your skills, getting outside of your comfort zone. And you brought up, you know, V lookups and making sure they know this and then taking their skill set to the next level. There is also just their presentation and their professionalism that um, we've talked about adapting Mm -hmm. in the past on just simply professionalism in the workplace because they want to adapt, they want to achieve, they want to be a leader, but there may be something that's holding them back from just a sheer professionalism, which people take a little more personally. Mm-hmm. How do you coach people uh, that you identify there's a need for coaching there? Well, I think, for example, if you're going to attend a meeting and if it's not clear to you what your role in the meeting is, you should uh, ask for some Uh, help in advance to understand what it is they're going to be looking for you in the meeting and then come prepared for the meeting and be there a little bit early. So if it's a Zoom call, you're there a couple of minutes early on the Zoom call. Uh, If you want to be professional uh, and your your workplace is business, you know, casual, you can dress a little more spiffy that day, a little Mm -hmm. more uh, particular and stand yourself out a little bit and Mm -hmm. and i think doing little things like that can mean a lot that it they may not be necessarily noticed in the minute uh, that you're there but eventually you'll get noticed and that'll certainly help you and cast you in a positive light no matter you know what kind of uh you know person you otherwise are and and the work Mm -hmm. you're doing yeah and part of it is just asking too Right. I mean, you want to volunteer for projects. You want to raise your hand for things. And and if you are unsure, like you let it off with is ask, what's my role in this meeting? How do you want me to be? Where do I contribute? You know, we are going to meet a customer. What is the attire that I should be wearing? What time should I be there? And it's just don't assume these things Mm because they do have an impact not only on your career, but potentially your business. right? Right. That's right. And so not being afraid to to step up and ask the questions yeah it's kind of the opposite of being in english class in high school and uh being in the back row where you're not really going to raise your raise your hand Mm -hmm. if there's a question uh you really want to you know make sure that you're prepared again it goes to how much you want to advance and uh, if you do want to advance and succeed then uh, doing some of these little things will help you in the long run so let's let's shift into kind of talking a little bit about your career because I think you have uh, really good insight that would help other leaders um, in, in their career and building out their network. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you've kind of fallen into this. I, I told you the other day you've fallen into this. You know, a, a CFO, private equity, private equity portfolio hitman. You know, I mean, you're going into these portfolio companies of private <laughs> equity firms and. I asked you, uh, how are you getting these positions? Is it recruiters? Is it your network? And that led to a discussion about building your network all throughout your career. So share with us how you've built your network. Mm -hmm. Um, What's important for you to do? Because that is also getting outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, and thank goodness for LinkedIn because it really is a means that helps everybody to stay somewhat connected. And, you know, you can go on LinkedIn, set up your profile, 
you can start to connect with others. But it's not so much even the initial connection, but it's also staying in touch with them and finding a way. Uh, if you're not in a job, uh, so or, or if you're in a job, not looking for a job, staying connected kind of as you go uh, will help you if you do ever need a, a job and you're looking for that connection that knows about the job uh, that you might you know, be interesting to you. And I think for me, that's what I found is that you can have all the connections in the world. You could have 10,000 connections and yet every one of them was valuable to, to stay actually connected in some way or another so that uh, as you progress in your career, you're staying updated with them. They know where you're at, what you might have done. And if you do that, then chances are when you do need that position, you do need to you're looking for a job. Uh, reaching out to them will, uh, you know, provide you with some kind of tangible benefit, even if they say they don't know of anything right there. Uh, in my uh, experience, spending all that time uh, connecting with people, going to have a coffee in the morning, uh, you know, maybe grabbing a beer after mm -hmm. work, something like that is invaluable and uh, it will at times you know lead to different things they heard they heard of something they don't know a lot about it and yet it could be also well they know everything about it and here's you know exactly who you need to talk to about the job so i think using that and actually staying connected is is the real key with uh following a linkedin you know profile and and how you you know, deal with your your connections. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. What about when you are working in a job and you're building your reputation and the success that you have at a company? Um, how does that help your future career prospects? Um, it's very directly correlated. Uh, when I was at a company called Top Image Systems, uh, as I started there, we really looked like we needed to sell the business for any one of a number of reasons. And ultimately I was successful helping the CEO sell the business. And uh, that uh, directly correlated to how that particular person and others that were associated with the transaction, you know, viewed me. So it can only help me down the road mm -hmm. uh, in my next opportunity. Uh, even yeah. if it's not where I'm trying to come in and help sell yeah. a business yeah. as that particular opportunity was. Yeah, your reputation, right? You can control how your reputation is manifesting itself. Now, you can't control how other people see it. That's right. Right, because you can't control other people, but you can control your actions on a day-to-day -day basis and what your intent is and hopefully your intent and impact align with each other. There's one other thing that you've mentioned to me in the past about getting other jobs typically you know a person in your shoes you are the person who is um, giving references mm -hmm. to staff that would have reported to you mm -hmm. and you told me something really interesting you said staying close to that staff because your staff one day will help you find a job that that's exactly right and it's happened more than once to me where at least there was a lead i can't say there was a hard job that eventually resulted, but there was a lead one of the staff people that worked with me uh, had, and uh, I was able to follow up on it. And um, it was directly resulting from just 
having a relationship with them and staying connected as much as I might can help them. Sometimes they can, they can help me and, uh, you know, it's, it can be a win-win for both of us. That's so good that you say that. I had never thought of that as the first I'd heard anybody say that before. And I think that's really important. It's not just the impact of your peer group. It's the impact that, you know, you have on your people reporting to you and, and they can help you in your future career at a later date. And I, I love that right there. That was really good. Yeah. And my current opportunity at SoulCyber in the cybersecurity business, while I didn't have any uh, really specific, tangible, direct cyber experience, uh, the fact that I had done a, a great job on my last uh, you know, position at Top Image enabled me to find this opportunity and, and I'm going to help the company be successful ultimately. We talked, um, we've talked about this before where as you progress in your career, how you find jobs and, and a lot of what we talked about, if we go to college and we're coming out of college mm -hmm. at that point in time in life, it's whether you really need to get an internship or go to your university's career fairs, because that's the most uh, likely way you're going to get that first job. That's right. And uh, <laughs> because a recruiter, what we talked about, what, what my firm does recruiting, it's really hard for a recruiter uh, to place you in your first permanent job when you don't have that tangible work product value mm -hmm. that we could sell to a company. That's right. And that's why those internships are so important and career fairs are so important. And then as you progress, say that two to 20 year range, you know, that's where finding a job is, is really Option one is most likely it's going to be a recruiter if you're mm -hmm. a high performer and you're building your network through that time. That's right. And then once you become that senior level person in an organization, your network in recruiting a recruiting firm can be equal. And sometimes if you really build that network, that network can take the edge on a recruiting firm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And really, for me, the network has been, you know, the reason for each one of my positions, whether it was uh, the first job after I left public accounting or the last job I, I have now, it was knowing someone that had a need or knew of a need for a particular company. So Yeah. Well, I really appreciate I you sharing. I, you know, I, I, I want people to hear <laughs> that because right now there are a lot of people that need jobs you know, as we continue to bounce back. And, and there's a lot of people that are just changing jobs right now. Um, they <laughs> yeah. call it the great resignation. If you've seen a lot of what's going on, it's like people are resigning more and more and changing positions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but for those who really need jobs, I appreciate you sharing those yeah, little absolutely. pearls of wisdom um, for our audience. Thank you for that. Um, as we wrap up, I'd love to know, um, what is that one piece of advice that we haven't covered here today that you would impart on whether it's a job seeker or I love it when guests share advice for people just in their career trying to mine the battlefield of corporate America and, and make sure they're setting themselves up for success? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, be yourself. Uh, it's important for you to uh, be if you're going to be successful, just staying within what you do, your personality. It doesn't mean that you can't be attentive, you can't be super focused in your job. That's that's going to be you know what you do, 
and then I think also just be honest. Uh, be honest with yourself, and you may find that you have a little gap in how you need to do your job. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll go seek improvement. You'll uh, deal with it yourself, uh, you know, get some training online, you'll watch uh, a podcast, you'll watch a, a YouTube video, or uh, you'll go ask your supervisor, your ask a peer, and, and look for any one of a number of ways to try to mm -hmm. resolve that. So if you're honest, you'll, you'll deal with it and you'll be practical you know, mm -hmm. about it. And I think those are a couple of things that can really serve anyone well. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's hard for people to do is to be honest with themselves, to look themselves in the mirror and own responsibility for their career? I think sometimes it can be because there could be a perception that, well, if, if, if they identify that they may not do something as good as they want to, or that they don't know how to do something, then someone will perceive that as a weakness, but it's much better to deal with that early on and to, uh, you know, get that out on the table and get some help uh, rather than let it fester. And all of a sudden you've, you've actually experienced something negative and it, it's more viewed as an assessment of your performance. Yeah. You know, rather than just, I've, I've got this weakness, I need to try to solve this. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think if you can, if you're focused on your weaknesses, focus on your strengths too. So if you know you're really good at something and you get that opportunity to volunteer, uh, to help someone else out, do it because uh, even if it's a peer, even if it's a supervisor or whoever, they'll, they'll surely appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's great advice, John. I, I've, I've heard it said before that when you point your finger at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at yourself. Yeah. And uh, really paying attention to the impact that has on your career. You know, I, I really believe that you need to look yourself in the mirror, own it, right? Be honest with yourself, own it. And then not just put the plan, put a plan in place, but you have to act on it. Yeah. We, we put plans in place a lot and then we just kind of hope it starts like happening and you have to be very intentional. And sometimes the biggest challenge is that first step. Just yeah. take the first step to acting on the plan uh, that you have in place for your career because it's important. It is your career. Yeah. Right. I think the other thing is just be careful as you find something that needs to be fixed, uh, accusing someone or accusing a process or uh, you know, oftentimes there's reason things occur and sometimes they're pretty harmless reasons. There's just a simple thing. And so don't put someone on the defensive uh, and get more information before mm -hmm. you just assume that mm -hmm. someone wasn't doing their job or uh, dealing with something, you know, fairly. Yep. Well, there you have it from John London. <laughs> uh, I so much appreciate your yeah. time today. Uh, be honest with yourself and all these other little golden nuggets that John uh, fed us today. That was excellent. We thank you so much for coming up yeah, and, sure uh, and being here with us. Mm -hmm. And we always thank our listeners. Um, we really appreciate. And again, we hope you're gaining value out of these talks that we have with some of DFW's greatest business leaders uh, that are out there. So thank you so much. And until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. 
Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.